You know, it's so easy to think that when someone is struggling with grief and loss, when they're struggling with pain over some really difficult life situation, that think it's just weakness. That's their fault. That would be someone who's never walked through the dark night of the soul and lost someone. We know that our Lord Jesus was the strongest person really that ever lived, and yet in the middle of the preparation for the crucifixion the night before, we see Jesus in great agony. In Mark's gospel, the 14th chapter, they came to the place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed, and he took Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled, literally in terror, in grief and loss. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. He went beyond them. He fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, this hour might pass by him. And he was also saying, Abba, Father, Abba, the most intimate Hebrew term for daddy, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will be done. The height of sacrifice. We see Jesus uh, before this event. He gets word that his friend Lazarus is dying. He decides not to show up, but to wait until four days after Lazarus is dead to show up. In John 11, we find the story, and as Jesus is nearing their house, Mary, Lazarus' sister, runs out to meet him and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And how many if-thens have we talked about? If God, and if, and why, and if then, and all of the, why didn't you? Listen, why is not a question that can be answered. Is God good? Is God good? Does God work all things together for good of those that are called that love him? Is that, is that true, Romans 8? He didn't say everything was good. He said all things work to good. And so if and why, if you'd have been here, if you'd have just been here, then G, the Bible goes on in verse 33, that when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews with her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, come, Lord, and see. And we see Jesus wept. Now, it's shocking that Jesus would weep because Jesus knew he was about to have the stone rolled away and resurrect Lazarus from the dead. Even though God knows the future, he knows the plans he has for us, even with all that, he knows when we hurt and he weeps when we weep. Does that make sense? He's sitting there weeping over with Mary, with Mary and Martha, knowing he's going to raise Lazarus. If you spend very much time on this planet, you are going to go through a period of grief. Would you all agree with that? Loss, death of a dream, death of someone we, we, we love. And so, but even the, the truth of that doesn't make it any easier. So the question this weekend, I want to ask you, if you're ready, say I'm ready. If grief and loss are unavoidable, then what are we to do when they visit our door? What are we going to do when it's us? Let's take a page book out of Jesus' playbook 
in the garden. Father God, we come to you now, Abba. We cry out just like our Lord cried out to you, you, Father. And we say, God, there are some in our family who are walking through the dark night of the soul. Through, they're walking through despair right now, through the loss of a family member, a friend, the death of a dream, something that they thought that, that would happen that didn't. And so, God, we ask you to move and comfort we ask you, God, to take this message for those who have really never walked through the dark night of the soul, that they will be prepared when the day knocks at their door. That, God, we will look to you, the God of all mercy and the God of all comfort. Speak to your hearts through your word. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, welcome, promisers and guests this weekend. We're so excited you're with us, whether you're live on one of our campuses, come on, Bristol and North Knox and Anderson, Farragut, man, wherever you're at, man, we're thrilled online. We're so glad you're here. We love you, and we want you to know that God is at work online and in person, and we want you to know that God has plans for you, plans for prosperity, plans to give you a future and a hope, not plans for calamity. And if you've not been a part of Next Steps, Again, want to challenge you to, you know, you can sign up and information or online first Sunday in September, dinner together with all of our campus team, staff, and it's going to be incredible. It's Sunday evening at six o'clock, first Sunday in April. Now, Easter's coming. I think today or yesterday is the first day of spring. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody. And I love some Easter. It's going to be an epic. My question is, who are you bringing? Because see, We've gone through two years of an ugly COVID headwind, and now we've got some momentum. Some momentum is rolling. So we got some tailwind. Who are you bringing? Now this month, if you hadn't been here, we've been in a series called I'm Not Okay. And we've all been not okay, haven't we? Come on. Now the world tells us to lie, to put on a, to, to put on a face, and act like everything's okay. It's called a hypocrite, which means to wear a mask. It was the first one of the early words for actors. They, 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 they literally put these in front of their faces. But there is one time when everybody agrees it's okay not to be okay. And that's in the midst of grief and loss. That's just when people realize. Now, I'm 61. I have not lost many family members like some of you have. My grandmother went home to be with the Lord, but she had been through a long illness. It was a celebration. My dad, who, uh, who came to Christ, but we, weren't, we were not very close, so I haven't had a lot of that, but I've lost some incredible friends. Larry Petrowski, who was uh, one of my best friends, who's a husband and my assistant, who was my sister for 24 years, Gloria, was, was just walked with their family. Then walked with Josh Whitehead, as we buried his dear, sweet love, Kim. And one comforting thought when you walk through that that is, that is helpful for people, no one is truly gone when you know you'll see them again. See, we're sad because there's a separation. Yeah, we're sad because we're separated from them, but, but here's the deal. We're gonna see them again. They just beat us to heaven. They, they, they beat us. Now, part of my role in all of our campus pastors is to walk through families in the midst of grief and pain. And, it, it, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. I read a story years ago, I've never forgotten a, a little town, one church town, you know, I think they call them a one-horse town. What, the most notorious guy in the town dies. 
And this guy is awful. Drunkard, this guy's terrible. And so the, the funeral home calls the preacher, hey, we need to go do the funerals for old Fred. He died. And so he said, okay, I'll come do it. Well, Fred's brother went to the preacher's house and said, listen, I'll give you a large sum of money if you will say at my brother's funeral that he was a saint. And so he preached and he said, hey, Fred's dead. You guys know he was a drunkard. You know he beat his wife. You know he never worked. You know he was a skinflint. You know he was terrible, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. Well, there's always a way to get it in. So I was in the Bible reading plan sort of at near the end of last year and, and writing a new book uh, on a personal growth plan, completely re- redid it. And as I'm reading it, I saw another door. Now, if you're on, the, on a spiritual growth plan with us, you know that I've listed all the disciplines that God gives us and how to walk through those doors and, and make a plan with it. Well, I saw another door that I had never noticed, and it'll be in the new book when it comes out later this year, and that is the door of tribulation, trial, grief, or loss. Because here's the deal. If, if you will walk through the door, you will grow closer to God in the, middle of, in the midst of pain. But it's like every other spiritual door. You have to choose to walk through it. It said of Daniel in Daniel 1, after he had been, after he had been taken prisoner by the Babylonians when they, just, when they ransacked Jerusalem and defeated Israel in war, it said this about Daniel, but Daniel made up his mind. And we've got to make up our mind today before tribulation, grief, and loss hits us so that when it does, we will use it to grow closer to the Lord. Does that make sense? But see, it's like three a days in the summer getting ready for fall football in high school. You do three a days so that when Friday night lights comes on, you'll know what to do. This is preparation to know what to do. A couple weeks ago, I met with a family at the Pellissippi campus who had just found their 21-year-old son dead two days before. It was a it was just the pain and meeting with that family was incalculable. The mother and the 13-year-old daughter found their brother, uh, her son and her brother, and it was terrible. And one of the things when I talked to them, I said this, let the pain unite you, not divide you. Because see, I've watched families divorce and fragment because of the loss of a child and they could not endure the pain. You can take your problems and your pain and you can let them force you together like Michelle and I do, or you can let them divide you the way the world does. So in this season of grief and pain, when you hit it, you've got to lean in to the Lord. Come on online. I want you to lean in with me this weekend. I want you to feel what we're feeling in every room. Feel the word of God this weekend. And we go back to that moment of Jesus, the revelation with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, an incredibly vulnerable moment and potentially his last temptation when he said, Abba, you can, you can do all things. You could take this cup away from me, but not as I will, but as you will. And Luke in Luke 22, describing that moment in the garden, says of Jesus, and great drops of blood fell like sweat from his body to the ground. It was an agony. So 
Here's, here's the deal. Are you ready? God can use your pain or the devil will use your pain. One of them is going to use it. Let me give you Paul writing to the, the second letter to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what he says because I want you to be ready. And some of you are here, you need this this weekend, and others of you are going to need this. So here it goes, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all what? God of all what? And the God of all comfort. The word comfort there is the same word used for the Holy Spirit. Comfort, comforter. The word comfort in, 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 in result of the Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside you or one that bears you up. The word is parakletos. Para, walking together, and cleat is what we anchor something down to. The, the Holy Spirit comes beside us, God does, and comforts us. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we'll be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort which with we ourselves are comforted by God. Listen to me. Come on, if you're listening, say I am. Don't be shocked when the wheels come off. This 21st century American Christianity blowing smoke up people's rear end, it's all rainbows and ponies. It's not. And the problem with the modern day preaching of it's easy and light and no problem is this. When you hit him, you'll think something is wrong. So what is he saying? Hey, God is going to comfort us for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. So is our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we're afflicted and we are, it's for your comfort and your salvation. Or if we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Which is, the, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings. We've got to patiently endure pain and problems. Are y'all with me? God, why, 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 why? No, God, what? What is next? What do you want? And our, our hope, our hope for you is firmly grounded to be well-established, deeply rooted, uh, but to be built firmly, knowing that, as you are shares of our suffering, so also you are sharers in our comfort. That's what we do for each other. Remember Jesus in the garden. He takes Peter and James and John and, and he's distressed and he's greatly troubled. He's terrified. See, but what did Jesus do? He took his homies with him. He sets the nine over, or the now there's, he sets the eight over here, and he takes the three. Peter, James, and John says, man, I need you to hang with me, boys. I'm deeply distressed. This is the most agony I've ever felt. This is part of the benefit of being a part of a church family. We do not walk this alone. Are y'all with me? We don't do it by ourselves. It's, the, it's the, one of the great things of being a part of a small group. Because the small group's not just there at the funeral. They're there a week later, a month later, six months later. When the world, when the world says, come on, suck it up, and you're still just grieving inside, that group just walks and they comfort you and they hold your arms up. And I've had so many people faith promise me, Pastor, I don't need a group. You will. When the train comes off the tracks, and it will. Who's going to be there to help put it, put it back right? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be 
comforted. Our calling, faith promise, is to love God, love people, and comfort people when they're in pain. Especially if you've been through the same pain they've been through. If, you, if, you, if you've been through it. Because you're going you're gonna to comfort them with the same comfort you were comforted in your affliction. Don't tell somebody you know how they feel if you hadn't been through the barnyard. Because if you hadn't been through the barnyard, you don't know what the poop smells like. So when I sat down with that family that had just found their 21-year-old son dead in the basement, I didn't say I know how it feels. I looked at him and said, I can't fathom your pain. I can't even begin to understand what you're going through. I'm so sorry. And people say, but I've never been through it. I don't know what to say to people. Can I just give you a couple hints? Don't say catchy Christian phrases when somebody's in agony. Don't lose your faith. Don't be stupid. Are y'all with me? Yeah, but I don't know what to say. Do what Jesus did. Just cry with them. You know what I'm saying? They just cry with them. Hold their hand and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't act like you've got all the answers because you don't. Amen. We know who has the answers. Look at Psalms 56. The psalmist David is going through hell. Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. God, this is the dark day of the soul. I don't know what to do. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes trample upon me all day long, for there are many who fight proudly against me. You ever felt like that? The whole world was against you. You ever felt like, man, you're just out there and you're just all alone? I'll put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God who I place my, who I put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? All day long, they distort my words. They trouble me. Their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps. They have waited to take my life because of wickedness, cast them forth. And anger put down the people's, oh God. But verse eight, listen, verse eight, circle it in your Bible. Verse eight, for you have taken into account my wanderings, which means wilderness, which means exile, which means suffering. God, you've taken and you put my tears in your bottle. When you cry till you don't have another tear and you cry all alone, you think nobody knows God kept every tear in a bottle and he wrote it down in his book. He is with you to comfort you and help you even when you don't feel him. Come on. My enemies, they turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. And we'll go down to verse 13. If you've delivered my soul from death, <clears throat> from the day of despair, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living, because in the dark night of the soul, as Jeremiah said in Lamentations, man, sorrow is for the night, but joy comes in the morning. What you have to remember is it's going to get better. When you think there's no future, there's no hope, listen, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Sorrow means to be exiled. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? We've been exiled from God. The psalmist said multiple occasions, God, where are you? God, I'm in hell in agony. God, I, where are you? And God is right there with you. But because the emotions are so high and the pain is so deep, we just can't sort of seem to experience God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But God's counting your tears. And he's recording all your griefs in his book. What does he say? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his godly ones. Jesus is called our great high priest. 
and he knows your pain. He's well acquainted with your grief. He understands sorrow. That's why he wept with Mary and Martha. If you've never read C.S. Lewis, he's an incredible Christian author of a generation or two ago. Wrote an incredible book called The Screwtape Letters on Spiritual Warfare. Before that, when anybody did it, he wrote the Narnia Chronicles. It's incredible movies for your kids, incredible books. But he wrote a problem when the Christians were saying, I don't understand why I've got this pain. So he wrote a book called The Problem with Pain. 20 years later, his wife, Joy, was dying with cancer. And he went back to that book and he said, it's different when the beast is at your door. Are y'all with me? That's why you have to remember this message. That's why you have to remember. I think there's some levels of grief depending on the circumstance, especially death. Death of a friend, Christian friend, that's, that's difficult. An adult losing their adult Christian parent, it's difficult, but they're getting promoted to heaven. It gets worse when you talk about parents burying, burying their children, a spouse burying a spouse. And I think the worst form of all is a parent burying their child who killed themselves. Suicide. It's a loss that if you haven't been there, you just don't know how to, to, how to experience. We've had three or four children buried in the last six months, at Faith, in the last six weeks at Faith Promise. We went 20 years and didn't see that. I'm so grateful for campus pastors who are walking with families. I'm grateful for staff who are walking with those that grieve. A few weeks ago, Chad Funk, who's on the, one of the pastors on the Pellissippi team, walked with a family who lost, an, who lost a child. I called in the morning of the funeral and because I'd heard he was sick and he was very ill. I said, Chad, let me, let me do the funeral for you. I'll, I'll, I'll pinch it for you. He said, no, Pastor, I've been walking with this family. I'm gonna finish this out. I said, well, that's fine. But at the funeral, go home and go to bed. And if I see you at church this weekend, you're fired. See, I'm so grateful for staff who even when they're sick and distress themselves will show up. I'm so grateful for small groups who continue to walk with people. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul answers questions because the Thessalonican church, people were dying and they thought they were all gonna go to heaven and, and nobody, Jesus would come back and nobody was gonna die. And in chapter five, it said, for God is not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So whether we're alive or sleep dead, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up as you're doing back in chapter four. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, who are dead. That you, we do not groove like, grieve like the rest who have no hope. Can you imagine going to the funeral of a lost person with a lost family and nobody there knowing anything about God, no preacher, no nothing? Can you fathom that? See, we, we don't grieve like they grieve because Again, it's a, we're going to see them again. They have no hope, no clue about the future. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, anybody believe Jesus came out of the grave on Easter? Come on, somebody. Even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Lay's going to beat me. Jenna, Kim Whitehead, they're going to beat us. 
those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. Your grandmother, your aunt, your family, we're going to be caught up together with them in the air, so will she always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Walk beside people, lift people up. Let them know, hey, we're good. Man, listen, they're walking the streets of gold. They're having a great day. I always tell at every funeral, because I don't do a lot of funerals anymore, but I do the funerals for all the founders. And I say, listen, and it's the same group at every funeral now. They're having a great day. Sucks to be us, but they're having a great day. See, we're standing at a casket because when you go for the viewing of the body for the first time, if you've never, if you, and most, many of you have never been to that, it's the first time the family's seen their loved one in a casket. It's a, it's a, just a, an, just a slam upside the head with a baseball bat. That's where I learned words, groaning too deep for words. Are you with me? where somebody looks and they can't even speak, they're weeping and they're just aching and crying out to God with the depths of who they are. That's why Paul challenges in his letter to the church of, of Rome, rejoice with those who rejoice, but weep with those who weep. I'm grateful for another group of people called Stephen Ministers. We've got dozens and dozens of people who have been through long training to walk through people when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And if you're in that, you can call the church office and we'll help plug you in with a Stephen minister. Are you with me? So that somebody will walk with you. Don't walk alone in the dark night of the soul. Are, are you there? Now let me step out and be really bold right here. I love you. Here's the deal. It is too late to think about heaven or hell at the funeral home. I can't not count the times I have sat in a back room at a funeral home with a family weeping, saying, Pastor, tell me, please tell me, my papa, my mama, my whatever is in heaven. And there are so many times I, can, I have no words for them. Are you with me? Listen, who do you need to call today? Who do you need to go to lunch with? Don't leave things unsaid to loved ones before you or they are gone, and it's too late. I just finished a biography of an incredible preacher of the last generation, Ron Dunn, incredible Bible teacher. He said, how many parents, how many children, how many friends are there who haven't adequately expressed themselves to each other before one of them dies and leave an aching sense of a door that was never opened? Who do you buy, need to buy a ticket and go see? Who do you need to spend the afternoon with? Who do you need to sit on the front porch or, or at Starbucks? Max Lerner in his book, What Counts, said this, it is that when we reach into ourselves, having come with griefs, our failures, our satisfaction, our anxieties, our triumphs, and having shared them. Today's the day. Listen, do not stand at the coffin with regrets. Come on, don't do it. We, listen, we, we can't keep loss and pain, but we can keep regrets out. 
So why don't you just give the eulogy while they're still alive? Tell them how you think about them. Write them that card. Buy them that gift. Let them know how special they are to you. Just Petrowski, who's been on our team almost the whole time, we call him the architect of the weekend. He's brilliant and creative, writes a lot of our songs, writes a lot of our, he's just an incredible writer, creator. He, man, we'll, people will be mesmerized at the weekend. A lot of people don't know it's Justin that wrote it. But when I remember where I was when Justin called me to tell me his dad had died and gone to be with the Lord. And I still remember his funeral standing right here. And sitting on that front row when Justin read the eulogy he wrote for his dad called my dad the superhero. The superhero. I told my boys, get a copy of that because you need to best that when I die. If you got to get Justin to write it, get Justin to write it. But one of y'all get up there and read that I was a great dad. They said, we can't lie. And so, but see, Justin didn't read that with regret because Larry knew how Justin felt about him. He knew that he was his son's superhero because Larry could do or fix anything. See, there's something worse than grief or loss. This regret. And regret is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Victory. You know what? When I looked at Gloria Petrowski, as we buried Larry, she looked at me and she said, I still believe. I still believe that's victory. And when I sat with Justin and we buried his sister three and a half years later, and he looked at me and said, Pastor, I still believe that was victory. And when I stood beside Josh Whitehead and I preached Kim's funeral, and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, I still believe, I still believe that God is awesome and God does miracles. Folks, that is victory. Our faith, it has overcome the world. See, the scripture's clear. We're all gonna walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We're all gonna face some stuff. And we gotta make up our mind today how we will walk through it leaning into the compassion of the God of all mercies and the God of all comfort who walks beside us and holds us up when we don't have the strength to hold ourselves. I'm telling you. Because when, when, listen, when you're standing there, all you got is the truth of the word of God. And the hand that holds you, molds you. Father God, we come to you. You're so good, God. Forgive us when we doubt that you're good. Forgive us when we're so focused on ourselves, our stupid stuff, that we miss you. God, would you help us as a church never let anybody walk through the dark day of despair by themselves alone, but that we will comfort them with the same comfort you gave us. Father, we'll let them know it's going to get better. Lord, I pray for that family that still today is racked over the death of their son at 21. God, I pray for them and so many others, but God, I pray for us that when we face that day, we will face it with the word of God in our hand, the spirit of God in our heart, and we know that you are good. When we don't understand why, when we're, when we're aching to the depths of who we are, we with Job will say, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Naked did I come into this world and naked will I leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. And in that name we pray, in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. amen.